We haven't talked a lot about um, our youth ministry and children's ministry and what all that we have here within Upper Room Church and, and how important that is. And, and, uh, and today we have a pastor with us who um, pastored for or several years, but then now he's a, taken a different role. And so he helped serve around 160 churches in the West Florida in the Panhandle region. And he just specifically focuses on high school and middle school. And so uh, Pastor Craig Hicks is going to come and share a message with us this morning. If you would put your hands together as he comes. And... Thanks, man. Amen. Good morning. It's great to be back with you guys. I was here back uh, sometime last year. I was able to come and be with you. I think it was last year. It might have been a little bit longer. I can't remember. Uh, it was great to come and just experience what God is doing here at Upper Room, and I love it. Can I just tell you, I love seeing the posts. I love feeling the energy that comes from this place and seeing what God's doing here on the beach through your church, through Pastor Nathan and Caitlin. You guys are killing it. Thank you so much for your obedience and leaving, uh, leading fearfully, uh, just uh, fearlessly and uh, with, with such integrity. And so, yeah, and, and the other way, too. I get it. It's uh, you got to be courageous to be a leader in this, this time and day. And today in the Assemblies of God is a Sunday every year. It's like the third Sunday of every April, unless Easter shifts it, uh, that we celebrate what we call National Youth Day. And my job in the Assemblies of God with the West Florida Network is I get to help be a youth pastor to youth pastors, a kids pastor to kids pastors. I'm their coach. I'm their biggest cheerleader. Uh, just here to encourage, resource, and equip our next-gen leaders uh, across the panhandle in reaching this generation you know, Gen Zers and, right now, uh, and, and really helping them uh, to be as effective as they possibly can. And so today I just asked Pastor, hey, would it be okay then if I preach a message about reaching the next generation and take a moment to honor your next-gen leaders and stuff? So McKenna, will you come join me up here real quick? I told her this week, I said, I'm going to use you. I need you. And she's like, what are you going to do? What have I got to do? So come on up here. So first off, just because I don't, I've learned, and especially in growing churches and stuff, I don't want to make any assumptions that everybody knows who you are. I know you don't know who I am, so I'm Craig. Nice to meet you, and uh, glad to be here with you. But we, just take a minute, introduce yourself, who you are, what you do on staff here, cool. so that we'll make sure everybody knows who, who I'm talking to. Yeah, good morning, guys. <laughs> I'm McKenna, McKenna Curtis. I've been a part of Upper Room since we became a church. It's almost been, what, five years? Wow. Um, and I started serving. I have a, she's six and a half now, but she was two when we started coming. And she was, we put her right into the kids' ministry, and I also followed her in there. And I haven't left since. And so we've gone from, we were talking about last night, a program of yep. 10, about 10 kids. Most of them are volunteer kids. And then now we've got, we had 75 students for Easter. Um, so it's awesome. been awesome. Yeah. So I've been working with them of zero through fifth grade. And in August of last year, came on full time with the middle school and high school youth as well. So it's been super awesome. Way to go. Yeah. So McKenna is one of what we, I, she's one of my heroes that she's in the trenches every day, every week, loving on students, helping them walk through the issues that our students are faced with. And man, it doesn't take, like you don't have to be like a sociologist or anything to see that our teens and our young people today versus when you were a kid is totally different and they're going through some crazy stuff. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of issues in the world today and things. And so, so thank you, number one, for accepting the call to step in and to love on these kids and help reach them with the gospel and disciple them. Uh, what's your favorite thing about doing youth ministry? 
Uh, my favorite thing, I think, is just the, the family that we've built. It doesn't feel like, cool. you know, when I was getting youth ministry, we didn't really connect a lot with the pastor. You know, he'd come in, but it was a lot of the kids just being kids. And <laughs> I feel like we have a really solid group of, of kids that not only have each other's back, but they've got my back. And they're serving, and we're all doing things together. So I think just creating a family in Christ has been my biggest takeaway so far from it. I, I love it. I'll share with her last night. That anybody that builds a ministry model around relationships, you're 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 winning already because we all hunger for that. God created us for community. He created us to need community and to need each other and do life together, not as silos, but to all be a part of the body of Christ. And uh, and so we need each other in that. So that's that's the fun stuff. If I were to ask you, what's some of the most challenging things that you're facing in youth ministry today, or that you're seeing kids face? that you're trying to help them walk through? I think just seeing, you know, every week we do a prayer praise request and um, it's anonymous. So they have a box that they put their anonymous note card in and everyone is prepared. They know it's coming. So some of them will start writing stuff on it before I even ask for it. Um, And so that's been a way that I've been able to find out some of those things that are under the surface. You know, we share wins and losses and a lot of losses come out there too, which is pretty significant. Um, But to see the things that get written on the note cards, you know, I'm seeing a lot of things that you and I are dealing with every day, but we don't talk about it. Um, And that's happening in their lives. There's stress, there's anxiety, there's, you know, a lot of pressure. Um, And then just feeling included. I think COVID, as we all know, took us away from feeling included. And so still bringing in that inclusivity and how do we connect with community and how do we trust God and all the things that we're making decisions on. Um, so I think just seeing kind of the, the weekly struggles and it's not just, you know, one yeah. or two people, I'll have the majority of the cards being, I'm really under a lot of stress or I can't stop crying at night. And I know that there's a lot of us that deal with that and we haven't, you know, been able to, to cure some of those things as adults, but I think it's because it started happening in this age group. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's significant. Matter of fact, current studies tell us one in three students uh, have an anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. Think about that. One, one in three teenagers sitting in the room today statistically are battling some kind of anxiety disorder. Suicide is the second leading cause of death between 13 and 18-year-olds. Yeah. So we're in a war for our children. Satan made it very clear, and it's spelled out in your Bibles, that he came to steal, kill, and destroy he wants to rip family units apart, and he wants to get at your kids. And if, he can, and if he can get them when they're younger, because he knows the calling that God has on their life and the, yeah. and, the, and the purpose that God created them with. So if he can get to them when they're at that age, man, and snuff that out, man, then, then that's stopping potentially hundreds, if not thousands, of other people coming into the kingdom because of what God wanted to do through that young person and through that student. So I I say that to kind of bring a somber moment to you to help you understand that what she's doing every day of every week is so meaningful to the church of today. To walk along your students, to help moms and dads. Like, she's not here to be the parent. She's here to partner with the parent. That's what we coach our youth and kids pastors. They're, they're not here to, 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 pa- to, to parent your kids. They want to pastor them, but help you as parents, help equip you to help love and, and disciple your students. I, neither one of us, no matter how good we are at our jobs, can out-disciple what happens in the day-to-day life of a home yeah. under, the, under the leadership of mom and dad. All right, in the family unit. So 
you, I, I love seeing students in the room today. I love it. I love seeing a young man running the camera today. Way to go, bro. Everybody can be serving in some position. So just to, to, to wrap it up with you as we transition, um, first, thank you for what you do. But what is something that maybe you can make them aware of that they could either help you with or pray for you concerning your ministry or yeah. things coming up or whatever that... Um, I think just prayer in general, I always lead with that. I think just praying for the health of our youth ministry. Um, we're about to go into summer, so I hope that that's an opportunity to champion the students that we have, but also to build that program. Um, so if you have a heart to serve and are interested in serving in youth, and you know we do Wednesday nights right now, but my goal is hands-on serving. I love going out in the community and doing anything. So if there's a need that you have, um, that we could have hands-on from the youth, I think that would be an awesome way too. So prayer, and then if there's anything experiential that we can be doing to serve you better or to serve someone that you may know um, during this summer, that would be awesome. That's so good. So we yeah. want to pray for you before you go. Oh, thank you. Um, so so let, me, let me now spend the somber statistic talking about anxiety and suicide, but let me also help you understand this. That when a when a child is below the age of thirteen, we have the greatest. They are at, their heart is most open for gospel conversations. It's like shooting fish in a barrel, so to speak. It's they are open to gospel conversations to understand who Jesus is, what He's done. And so we see. Matter of fact, if we were to survey a lot of the people in this room, if you've been saved, you know that are adults. Let me put it that way. All the adults in this room, a majority of you would say you got saved probably before the age of thirteen. Or that's when you were first introduced to Christ. And then that 13 to 17 is when you're developing. That's probably the second largest. But listen, let me help you understand. So, so she has a great job, powerful job. And we want to fund and empower and serve so that we can hit these 0 to 17 or so. Because once they turn 19 to 20, the, the opportunity to reach young adults now drops significantly according to our studies. So she's got an incredible job. Her and there's another McKenna, right? There like is, yeah. the, the power of the two McKennas, <laughs> McKenna Squared, that helps with the with the kids ministry. I, I love it. You should brand that. I don't, you know, We're I trying. won't even. We're I'll let you have the copyright. You guys start your own next gen ministries. McKenna Squared, M Squared. Anyway, uh, what they're doing is so significant because they're hitting them at the age that the students are most open to gospel conversations because once they get out of that and they start entering into the adult world, whether it's going to school or starting their careers, it, it drops significantly. Yeah. And so, so I want to say, man, right now is the, is the best time. The students that she's ministering to and the other, student, the other McKenna is ministering to next door, we want to pray for them. We want to empower them. We want to make sure that they have everything that they need to do what God's called them to do, where he's called them to do it right here at Upper Room, to support Pastor Nathan and the vision here of Upper Room, but to reach students with the gospel. So will you just stretch your hand this way as we pray for McKenna and the Next Gen Ministries here. Father, we love you. God, I thank you right now for... You're calling on, McK on McKenna's life and, and the other McKenna and just all their team and the leaders that are here that are doing their best to just love on these students and to just make themselves available uh, to, to walk through life with our teens and our, and our elementary age kids, to just be there for them and to help moms and dads all across the room and across the, uh, the island out here and the beach to, to help them with gospel conversations that, that will deal with life's pressures and life's issues. Would you, Father, just let your anointing increase on their ministry. God, let your anointing increase on the effectiveness of what they're doing. And Lord, I believe that you're stirring the hearts of moms and dads and other leaders in this room today to begin to, to, to think about walking along 
alongside them, to partnering with them, to help reach this generation, this Gen Zers and the Gen Alpha that's coming behind them. God, that we will see a greater impact so that we can see the kingdom expanded and we can combat against every attack of the enemy. We come against Satan and his attack on our students and our families in the name of Jesus. And only through your gospel and through the power of the Holy Spirit are we going to be able to do that. So God, let faith arise in this room and in our families. And Lord, let our families get back to having gospel conversations around a dinner table and riding down the road as you told us in Deuteronomy, God, when we're with our family, God, to teach our kids about who you are and your wonders and the power of your word. And I believe, God, that we're going to see revival in this generation. We're going to see revival take place through our students. And it's going to embolden our parents. And we're going to see uh, things done and people reached through unconventional ways. Because I believe there's an unconventional anointing setting on this generation. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Come on, give it up for McKenna and what she does. Thank you. Proud of you, girl. Keep it up. I love getting to celebrate and just love on our leaders because I don't think they get enough appreciation. And, uh, and of course, our pastors are, are absolutely worthy of honor, and we want to honor them. But I'm always bumping our pastors across the network going, hey, so what are you doing for your staff, and what are you doing for those next-gen leaders? I just want to make sure they're feeling loved because you want to keep them around, and, uh, and, and they're going to help you grow the church. Well, today is about next-gen ministries and reaching the next generation. And so if you'll turn in your Bibles, uh, whether it's e-form or tree-form, uh, Psalm 78, or if you got the text, click on the link. The notes are right there to follow along. I love that you guys do that. That's so cool. We want to go to Psalm 78 as we see uh, a psalm that really gives us the outline of next-generation ministries and the call to do this. And uh, while you're turning or flipping or getting your device on and, and going there, I'll say good morning to my, my mom and dad and my in-laws that watch me online whenever I'm preaching at a church that live streams. Uh, and so they, they love it when they get to go back on Facebook. And I just ask them to not post any um, embarrassing stories about me as a kid. That'll be great. Thanks, Mom. Love y'all. So Psalm 78, man, I love this. I think it's a powerful psalm, and I want you to listen to it. We're going to work through it. We're going to read through it, and uh, we're going to work through this together for the next three or four hours, and then we'll all go eat supper together, right? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I've got a timer up here. I'm doing my best to stick to it. It's 1140. I see it. I got 23 minutes on my timer. We're going to get through this, okay? I'll go into auctioneer mode if I have to in just a moment. Excuse my southern, I am from Alabama, and I know some people go, what did he say? Uh, so just lean in and listen or follow along. You got the notes. Thanks to this incredible tech team that put all that together and made it happen. Psalm 78. Oh, my people, hear my teaching and listen to the words of my mouth. I'll open my mouth in parables and I will utter hidden things, things of old, what we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. Come on, is anybody sitting in the room today that can say, I have experienced the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. I have experienced His power. I have experienced His wonder. Are you in the room with us this morning? Can you give Him a little shout or an amen or a clap? Come on. We want to pass this on to the next generation. He decreed the statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. 
So the next generation would know them. Even the children yet to be born. I want you to see how this is a generational thing. It's not meant for a today only. It's meant to be passed on and on and on. Someone once said, as a matter of fact, he's our assistant general superintendent in the Assemblies of God, said that a God-sized vision is a multi-generational vision. It's typically a three-generation or more vision because it comes from our fathers through us and is meant to be passed on to the next generations that come. God thinks way bigger than we do. And so the things that he is pouring into us is not meant just for us, but to flow through us into the generations to come. And we see it outlined right here in the scripture. He's saying, so the next generation, even the ones that have yet to be born, and that they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. And that they, listen, moms and dads, buckle up. (laughs) This is him, not me. I'm just reading what's in the Bible. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation whose heart was not steadfast and whose spirit was not faithful to God. That's a powerful, powerful statement to close with. And it's a challenge to us as moms and dads and leaders, adults in the room, because even if you're not a a parent of a biological child, you are leading students in the next generation with the lifestyle and the actions that you live out. I want to read this again, but I'm going to, they don't have it in the notes. I'm just going to jump over real quick so you can listen to me from uh, the message paraphrase. Uh, And so this is how Eugene Peterson uh, paraphrased that same Psalm 78. So just listen real quick. It's fun to listen to. He says, listen, dear friends, to God's truth. Bend your ears to what I tell you. I'm chewing on the morsel of a proverb, and I'll let you in on the sweet old truths. Stories that we heard from our father's counsel that we learned at our mother's knee. We're not keeping this to ourselves. We're passing it along to the next generation. God's fame and fortune, the marvelous things that he's done. He planted a witness in Jacob, and he said his word firmly in Israel, The commander, uh, and then commanded our parents to teach it to their children so the next generation would know, and all the generations to come would know the truth and tell the stories so that their children can trust in God. Never forget the works of God, but keep his commands to the letter. Heaven forbid, I think he was Southern, I love that. Heaven forbid that they should be like their parents, a bullheaded, bad, and fickle, and faithless bunch who never stay true to God. I think that's, I love that paraphrase. And here's the deal, I'm a parent. I look back at the times that I blew it with my kids, where I was bullheaded, where I was faithless, where I messed up or whatever. I don't want my kids to follow that example. I want them to follow the example of the times that I do faithfully serve God and that when things get tough, they see me on my knees. When things get tight, they see me going to God as our provider. They see me turning my attention and my focus to our Lord and Savior and through the scriptures and through my time and prayer to overcome the situations that I'm faced with, not turning to alcohol, drugs, everything else under the sun. I'm not opposed to counseling. Everybody needs a counselor. I probably need two or three myself so I'm not saying anything negative there but we have seen and you have seen probably in your own life that when stress gets high when things aren't going your way instead of getting on our face before God the one who can do anything and everything about anything and everything we tend to go to outside 
sources and we try to find quick fixes instead of saying, God, I need you now in this moment. And we've got to disciple our kids for them to see that we believe in God so much and that we trust his word so much that it has to have greater measure in our life than any other word in our world, than any other voice in our life. The word of God has got to be the leading and God. It's got to be the light into our path, the lamp into our path, under our feet and hiding that word in our hearts so that we won't sin against God, so that we will live this thing out faithfully, not perfectly. None of us are perfect. Glory to God. Let me take that pressure off of you real quick. I thank God the Bible says there is none that's righteous. No, not one. So I get it. None of us are perfect, but our righteousness is in Christ Jesus and the atoning work on the cross that we just celebrated last weekend. Amen. That they see that through that and our faith in him, that we can overcome every difficulty that this life throws at us, every sickness that this life throws at us, every, every just curveball out of whatever that we didn't see coming. God knew it was going to come and he was going to help us through that, that they see us go to God before they see us go to anything else to battle what Satan is trying to do to tear families apart, lives apart, our children apart. We've got to, we have, mom and dad, we have to, we have to embody this. We have to live this thing. We have to breathe this. We have to be so full of God that, that no matter what punches us, what punctures us, what cuts us, we can't help them but bleed the things of God back out to understand that's going to help us through whatever battle and storm that we're facing. And if our kids will see that, they'll, they'll emulate that. Because I promise you, they're emulating who you are right now. I remember my dad used to say all the time, Son, listen, just do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> Anybody else ever heard that? <laughs> Did it work for you? No. Nope. <laughs> Me either. And yet here I am. The thing, one thing that I said I never tell my kids is the thing I tell my kids sometimes. So our lives matter. The life that we live, the words that we say, the loose words that we say, the actions that we do matters. I want to I go through just a few quick things to help you and the church understand about reaching the next generation that we can pull from this passage of Scripture here. Point number one, reaching the gener next generation requires us to listen to God. It requires us, mom and dad, it requires us, youth leaders, it requires us, pastors, it requires us, first and foremost, to make sure that our ears are attuned to God, to, to understanding. Verse 1, he opened up saying, listen to me, give ear to what I'm about to say, lean in and take notes, listen to what my word, this is God's word, the Bible, we believe, is the inspired word of God. And so he's saying, listen to the words coming out of my mouth and being pinned on paper, I'm trying to teach you something. And so moms and dads, we can't propel the gospel to the next generation if we don't know the gospel and live by the gospel. And so he's saying you've, it's, it's, it requires us to lean in and to listen to what he is saying so that we can, that we can clothe ourselves in righteousness through Christ so that we can understand his principles and his precepts so that we can look at the examples that went before us and learn from their ways, learn from their mistakes, what to do, what not to do. There's plenty of mistakes played out in the Bible that we can learn from. And if you look throughout the Bible chronologically, you'll see generation after generation, God will come in and bless the generation. His favor will be on them. And man, they will prosper and everybody's excited. Oh, God is great. God is so good. You know, like everything's. And then the next generation is living off of the blessings of the former generation. 
And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, God is, is good or whatever. But, man, I'm just so glad to have, you know, good food. I'm so glad to have this. And they celebrate the prosperity and the blessing of it, not necessarily knowing the work that went into getting that. And then they pass on to the next generation just the prosperity point. And then that generation becomes a little selfish. And they're saying, where's mine? And it's all about me kind of thing. And they forget that the original blessing came from God and how it got there because it hasn't been passed down. To next thing you know, you have a godless generation because... Because we're not telling the next generation the wondrous things of God. And you find yourself now with a rebellious generation who's turned from God, following all the pagan ways, listening to the flesh instead of crucifying the flesh. And they are far from God. And then they start to raise a generation that is in such depravity that that generation says something's got to change. And so if there's a God in heaven, would you come and show us? Would you come and help us? And then that becomes to be the repentant generation. They repent. They turn from their wicked ways. God's favor comes back down and blesses them. And we see the pattern repeat all over again. It's all throughout biblical history. Just read your Bible. And it's happening in our lives from generation to generation. And if we're not passing down the blessings and the understanding and the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of his word in our life, the next generation will never know. And then they won't pass on to theirs. And next thing you know, you've got a generation in your family that knows not God or the things of God. Judges talks about this. There's a passage in Judges that talks about it that says basically we're always one generation away from a whole generation that knows not God or his power and wonders. And, and, and as a youth pastor and as someone who raised up next-gen leaders, that one verse is almost like my, my mission statement, kind of my personal mantra to make sure that McKinnon knows that so that her students always know the power of God, his wonders, his works, and, and what he can do because I don't want us to ever have another generation that knows not God. It almost is like we're living in one right now. Just watch the news. And that's on us moms and dads and grandparents. If we don't faithfully pass this on, if we don't faithfully know God and live by it, then, then that's, that is on us. It's on us to do point number two, to, to be obedient to God's word. See, reaching the next generation demands then obedience from us. It's one thing to hear. It's another thing to be obedient. Amen? How many moms and dads said to your kid, look, look at me. Do you hear what I'm saying? Say it back to me. Like, <laughs> Do you hear me? I hear you, but I'm not listening. There's a difference. There's a lot of people that come and sit in a church and they hear a message, but they're not listening to the message. And we walk out of here because we just checked a box. And we're expecting God's blessings to be on us because we checked a box. But God's blessing comes from his obedience. And you can't be obedient to what you didn't listen to. So when we start pointing fingers at other people, we got to be careful and go back to this place here and go, God... If there's any wickedness in me, if I've blown it, show me. Because I can't answer for Pastor Nathan, and I can't answer, for, I, I can only answer for me. And so I have to own responsibility in being obedient to what God is telling me and asking of me. The Bible tells us, he, he, it's been boiled down, two commandments. Love God with everything that you've got, number one. And because you love God with everything that you've got, now love your neighbor as yourself. And it's amazing, the power of love. And how it begins to play out in our life. And because we love God with all of our hearts, that means we want to know what his word says. And so it just plays into Jesus even said this. Hey, if you love me, keep my commandments. 
It's as simple as that. If you really love me. And it's easy to come in here and sing these powerful songs. Great job, praise and worship team. Like I was having church over here. It's not that way at every church, sadly. So thank you. It was great. He's saying, if you really love me, don't just sing about me. Don't just say the word, oh, I love God, I love you. Don't just put the fish bumper sticker on your car. And then drive in the left lane and hold everybody up. I will, I'm sorry. I, I'm still praying through on that one, y'all. I drive I-10 every day, and I'm just like... So anyway, no, no, no. He's saying we have to be obedient to his commands. We have to be obedient. I mean, just think about it, mom and dad. When you walk in and your kid actually listened to what you asked them to do, and they did it. And you're just like, who is this kid? How often does God feel that way about us? He's a heavenly dad. I think he feels that way every day sometimes with somebody. We have to be obedient. We will never pass on God's goodness and his blessings to the next generation if we ourselves don't embody what it means to be obedient and help them understand and to go through his word so that we can keep that command. Because, see, point number three is simply this. Reaching the next generation will also focus on hope and holiness. If we want our students to understand the hope that they have in Christ Jesus instead of battling anxiety and battling depression and having these suicidal tendencies and thoughts and self-harming issues and stuff like that, then we have to be preaching a message of hope and helping them understand that even in the dark times, even in the bad times, even in the hurricanes, even in the death and the sickness and the diagnosis that we don't like to hear, God is still faithful through all those things. We have to help them understand that in the beginning when sin entered the world, so did sickness and disease and troubles and turmoil that Satan then began to move in to have his way because God didn't create a bunch of demigods. He didn't create a bunch of little robots and he didn't create a bunch of mini-me's. He created people with free will and he said, I'm going to make myself available to you and I'm going to love on you and I'm going to provide for you. But it's up to you whether you're going to receive that love and receive me into your life to have, be a part of your life. And our kids need to see how that's lived out in our life on a day-to-day -day basis. They need to see that the hope that we have is through Christ, not our checking account. The hope that we have is through Jesus, not what the stock market's going to do or what the next doctor's going to you know, come up. I thank God for doctors. We go to doctors all the time. I don't go as often as I should. That's my bad. As you can tell, I need to. <laughs> I probably could use the checkup or two. I'm working on it in the name of that. I do another message called the model church. And I'm like, I look like a model for Dunkin' Donuts more than I do a church. But anyway, I'm building the body of Christ, right? It's a mega church that I got going on here. Not a temple of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I apologize. I'm getting off. Verse 7, that they would trust God and keep his commands. Hope and holiness. They would trust God, that they would find hope in him. And because they see that their hope is in Christ Jesus, that means they're going to have to keep his commands in order to have the blessing and the favor and, the, and to be able to get through the tough days that are ahead of them. The tough days that are ahead of them. We've got to model this thing out. I remember days, you know, I thank God I've got godly parents. Like I said, they're watching on the live stream, cheering me on, and godly in-laws. And they had parents, my grandparents, were godly people who passed it on to my parents who have passed it on to us. And now mine and Dana, my wife, who I hate can't be here with us in our family, um, we're passing on to our kids. So I've got three kids. I should, I, I never, I think I'm going to put pictures and I forget to put pictures in this slide. I'm, I'm terrible at that. But anyway, follow me on social media. They're great looking kids. I'm like, I made that. That's yes. 
Uh, so my oldest son, 21, he's a full-time kids pastor at our local church now. My number two child, Emily, number, uh, she's 20, and uh, she's on full-time staff as our, our, as our volunteer and, and guest um, First Impressions, Everybody, all these churches have these different names. They all run together. First Impressions, volunteer recruiting and stuff like that. And she's getting married in September to another guy who's on staff at our church who runs the tech and the media and stuff like that. So we'll be taking up an offering in just a minute for the wedding budget. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor, for letting me do that. I really appreciate that. He didn't know that until now. But anyway, so uh, and then my youngest, my 12-year-old Kenzie, uh, little blondie, man, she's about this tall now. Uh, and she works every Sunday with my son as a junior worker in kids' ministry. And I'm so stinking proud of them. And I thank God of that, not because I've been a perfect dad. Far from it, Mom and Dad. Far from it. But because even in my imperfectness, there were times I'd get down on my knees before them with tear-filled eyes and say, I'm sorry. Dad didn't model this for you properly. Dad let anger get in the way in this moment, and I shouldn't have. Dad said some stuff that he shouldn't have, or he acted in a way that he like. And I'm asking for your forgiveness because I want to reflect Jesus in my life, and I don't always do that. And we have prayer time together, and we have it's not. Believe me, we're not the perfect family where we're doing it every night. So we go sometimes we have it all the time, and then sometimes we go through seasons where the busyness of life gets in the way. But we try and ride the wave of the seasons or whatever season that we're in. That when we have times that we make time. As a parent, we always, my wife and I, just because we're always riding down the road and traveling, we just try to make gospel conversations a part of who we are all the time. When we're riding down the road, something would happen or somebody would say something or a news headline would say something. And I, there's always opportunity to turn that stuff into gospel conversations, Mom and Dad. What do you think the Bible has to say about that? What do you think, how do you think Jesus feels about that? Where do you think that's coming from? The confusion in the world. The Bible tells us clearly that God's not the author of confusion, but Satan is. He's the father of liars. So he loves to twist and he loves to, to manipulate. He loves to take even what things that God has said and twist it to make you question God. It's what he did with Eve in the garden. So we're, we're given daily opportunities to disciple this generation with godly principles and precepts so that they can know his word and find hope in him and not hope in something else that's going to fail them. So that they can, through finding that hope in scripture, understand that holiness is through Christ. That, that, that I want to live a life that's honoring to Jesus. I want people to look at me and not see Dunkin' Donuts. I want them to see Jesus in me. He's full of glory, not full of carbohydrates. Anyway, I just I want I want the light of Christ to shine in my life and who I am, and and and, and I have to get out of the way to let Him do that, and I have to allow His Holy Spirit to be fully involved in my life and every aspect in my life to do that. So there were days that we would sit with our kids, and we'd write top checks out in front of them because I wanted them to see that that meant something to us. There were days we sat down with them and we would talk about some hard issues and we would point them back to Scripture because I want them to know that that's what the Bible says. And that when the world is saying it's okay to do this, we go the other way and we believe different because God's Word says this, ABC. And as hard as that is, and knowing that people are not going to like us because of our beliefs, we're okay with that. And we're going to love them just the same. We're not going to get in stupid debates on Facebook anymore. I don't do it anymore. We're just going to start loving people and be Jesus with skin on and let that perfect love do a work that only it can do through his anointing and let it bring hope and holiness into this generation. And the last number point before I get into a couple 
more little practical things. The last point is simply this. Reaching the next generation will see lives changed. It will see. We will see lives changed. I'm sure McKenna can tell you stories of students that have come through the ministry here where she's seen lives changed. I've seen it in my years as, as youth pastor and as a pastor and, and see it now through our camps and other events and things that we do. We see students come in and when they experience the power and the presence of God and they allow the walls to come down, man, it's amazing what happens in their life. The change, the transformation. I've watched, I've watched drunk people come in at an altar and get up sober. I've watched sick people come in and get up completely healed we watched a lady with a club foot at our camp uh, just a couple years ago who had never been able to walk fully on that foot God miraculously healed her through the prayers of the students in the camp and she walked out of there like any normal person jumping up and down and shouting we've seen God do what he does best when we allow him the opportunity to do what he does best he changes lives when we allow him to come into the life and change us some of you are battling things and saying, I wish I could see that in my children. Then, then let's see it in you first. Let's see it in you first. Open your heart to him first. Let conviction come in and, and, and correct the issues and the errors of your ways now. Humble yourself now before God and let him begin to work in your life. And I promise you, you'll see it begin to work itself down through the next generation and the generations to come. It's on us Verse 8 says, so that they would not be a stubborn and rebellious generation like, like we tend to be. Now, he's calling us on this. And even though this was wrote thousands of years ago, it's as relevant for you and me today as it was the day that it was penned. I guarantee you all of us in this room can look back at some pretty rebellious times in our life. Some of you may be sitting in that season today, but today can be the day that you change that. And that you step out of your rebelliousness, that you put the, 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 the idle arguments aside and you say, okay, God, if you're real and if this is for me, then I want it. Change me. Be the change in me that I want to see in my kids because I promise you, your kids are emulating who you are. If this means something to you, it'll mean something to them. If it doesn't, then all you're doing is checking a box here and it will mean nothing come eternity. The Bible clearly says there will be many that says, but Lord, didn't we cast demons out in your name? Lord, didn't we go to a church in your name? Didn't we do all these things in your name? And yet he's going to look at them and say, depart from me, for I never knew you. There's a difference in knowing someone and knowing someone. There's a lot of us that know about God, but we don't know God. We know about his son Jesus and what he did, but we don't know Jesus and we don't have him as a personal Lord and Savior in our life. And there's a lot of things that we know about the Holy Spirit, but he kind of freaks us out so we don't go there and we're not allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to have full power and to help us to be obedient, to help us to live this thing out in the way that he wants us to. Because, we, well, we know him, but we don't know him. I don't want that for my kids. I want them to have their own personal relationship with Jesus, not dad's relationship. Too many kids have a kind of what I call an apron string salvation. You ask a kid today, do you go to church? Yeah. Or do you love Jesus? Yeah. Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Sure. What does he mean to you? I don't, I mean, you know, he's, you know, he's Jesus. What does that mean to you? You know, I don't, I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's whatever. So you've, you've, you know him or whatever. Well, yeah, well, I know about him. A lot of our kids are saved because mama told them they are. A lot of our kids are saved. They go, and I thank God that you bring them to church. Thank you for doing that. But we have to lead them to have their own personal relationship with him. I don't want them to just know about him. I want them to know him. I, want, I love it when I, our kids at our elementary camps 
when they get up from prayer and in their journal, they're writing down things. They said, this is what God spoke to me. And some of the stuff that you read in their little journal, you're like, yeah, there's no way that kid came up with that. It's powerful. We need to teach him that when we listen, he'll speak to us. And when he speaks, then we have to be obedient. And when we're obedient, then we'll be the hope and the holiness that this world is looking for and needing right now, especially in the dark times that we're leading in. And when we're that hope and we're that holiness through Christ Jesus, through the help of the Holy Spirit, we'll see a generation where lives are changed. So how do we do it? Last slide. Four simple little things that I'm just throwing out there to you. Just, just, just real quick. What, is, what does this look like? we got to learn to listen to them. Active listening is, is something we have to learn, moms and dads and, and parents. And, and, and I just got on to you for saying you need to listen, right, to your pastor and to God. But we need to learn to listen to them, not just hear them, but we need to learn to listen. Listen to the struggles. Listen to the things they're facing. Listen to the daily experiences that they're walking through. It'll blow your mind, some of the stories that they have for you. Learn to really, learn to listen to understand not listen to respond. Now listen, I'm, I'm going to say that again. It's, this is a really hard one. Listen to understand them. I'm not saying you have to agree with them. I'm not saying that you have to approve what they're doing. But we'll never help them understand who we are and why we believe what we believe if we don't take time to listen to understand how they got to where they are. Listen to understand why they think the way they do and feel the way that they do. It gives value to them. They'll feel valued in that moment that you are listening to understand who they are, not just listening to say, oh, we're right there, right there, that's where you're wrong. Because that's what we do. We're listening to respond. We have these pre premeditated responses in our heads, don't we, moms and dads? Just waiting for them to use that word. And we go, oh, gotcha, gotcha, right there. Little punk, listen to me. Right? That's how they feel a lot of times. So number one, learn, learn to listen. Learn just listen while they feel who they are. We have a lot of bad theology because we've allowed an experience to happen and we've made a theology out of that experience. And so we need to, we need to have strong leaders, biblically-minded leaders to help us go, I hear what you're saying, but really let me show you the full gospel and what, what the word says about that. So let's learn to listen. Number two, let's do something for them. Do something for them. Kids, you'll thank me for this later. Like just, man, go, go buy them coffee or something to just hang out with. Go do something for them. Uh, sponsor a kid to go to camp or to be a part of an outreach that they're doing or something here. Like, like send, them a, send them a card one day or like one Sunday when you're leaving here. I, I challenge you this. Watch and see who the kids are that come to church on a regular basis and find out who they are. Find out their name from their mom and dad. Find out what their favorite thing is or something like that and like write them a card. Drop them like a little gift. Do something for them that just says, hey, I see you in here week after week and it blesses me as a mom or a grandma. It what I I, I just want you to know, man, I'm so proud of you. And I'm here for you. And here's just a little, you know, $5 car to go get some ice cream or, you know, whatever. $500 go to Ron John. I don't know. Whatever that means. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But again, my daughter's getting married. My Venmo is, if you want to do something for her. No, I'm kidding. Number three, invest in them. Investing looks more than just finances, okay? Investing in them. Sure, it's sponsoring the camps, but it's investing time in them. 
It's investing in their family. It's investing in their future. It's when you give to this church so that they can, they can further next-gen ministries, you're investing in them. You're investing in the kingdom of God and the work that's being done here. And then number four, man, you can, I can't read. This is why we prayed with McKenna a minute ago, and you heard her prayer, 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 prayer. you got to understand the power of prayer. If it wasn't powerful, Jesus wouldn't have done it. He modeled that for us. All throughout the New Testament, where's Jesus at? Oh, he's praying again. If it meant something to him, it better mean something to us. That's how we get to know our Father. That's how we get to have that relationship. And that's how we get up one day going, here's what I heard the Lord speak to me. Because I have a relationship with him and I know his voice. And I thank God for those divine appointments in my life. I'm doing what I'm doing today through different moments where I heard the audible voice of the Lord. Or someone else did and came to me and it it put something together in me. And that's a whole nother. Maybe I'll get invited back one day if I don't keep blowing this thing. And I can share some of my testimony of following God's path instead of my plans. Because, anyway. But we got to pray for these kids. They're under attack unlike anything you've ever experienced in your life. They experience temptations and things in their life that you never thought about experiencing. And they need our prayer. Our weapons are not carnal. They are strong and mighty for tearing down the strongholds that Satan, the enemy, is trying to use to steal, kill, and destroy. Their purpose, their life, their goals, their ambitions, even their own life physically. He is doing his best to tear them down. Would you stand with me this morning as we get ready to close? And I said it a minute ago. Some of you may be in that rebellious season today, and you're like, well, before I can ever live this out in front of my kid, or for any kid for that matter, uh, I need to... I need to uh, get some stuff right in my head. If you bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a moment. This is a moment between you and the Holy Spirit. And I feel him in the room this morning. I can sense him working in this place. I can sense him right now just beginning to, to, to change and shape some hearts this morning. And there's some of you that your heart's probably, maybe, I don't know, it's beating a little faster than what it normally is. Maybe you got a, a sick feeling in your stomach because I said something that's resonated with you and it's got you to kind of just going, oh man, I think he's talking to me. And this morning, if you're saying, hey, I need to get some things right in my life so that I can live this out in front of my kids, will you just slip your hand up? If there's a rededication in your life, thank you, that needs to take place. There's some things that you know that you've let God have control maybe of 80% of your life, but this other 20%. No, I got it, God. I can handle that. And he's saying, you got to let me truly be Lord of your life. Man, hands that have gone up all over. Father, I pray right now, number one, that through the power of your Holy Spirit and through the work of conviction, not condemnation, we've all fallen short. We've all sinned. We've all blown it. But through conviction of the Holy Spirit right now, that these hands lifted high, God, that they are beginning to repent for that way, that they're beginning to repent for that lifestyle, that they're beginning to repent for the things that they have failed you in, and they're inviting your Holy Spirit back into their life, first and foremost, to cleanse them. To cleanse them from all unrighteousness, God. To to put on the righteousness of God once again in their life. God, to be the mom and dad that you want them to be or the grandparent that you want them to be so that they can truly live this thing out the way that you want to. They want to honor you first and foremost. So this morning, the hands that went up, God, let your grace just surround them and let them feel your love overwhelm them. But let them never forget the feeling of conviction. Because daily your word says that we have to get up and take up our cross. Daily we have to crucify our flesh. 
It's a daily decision whether we're going to live for you in every aspect of our life. So God, forgive us in the areas that we need forgiveness. And now for everyone in this room, give us strength to be the example that you want us to be to this next generation. Let our kids see hope in us. Even when it's their times that we feel so helpless in a situation. God, don't, we don't want to turn to turn to the world, God. We want to turn to you, Lord, that we will draw closer to you. The Bible says if we draw near to you, then you'll draw near to us. I thank you that you are waiting on us to invite you into the midst of our situation. So, Lord, let us do that today even. That we invite you into our life. We invite you into our family. We invite you into our our home. We invite you into our schools. We invite you into our 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 jobs and our offices, God, just to be with us and go with us, to embody us. Holy Spirit, lead us. Galatians 5, let us be led by the Spirit to be the most exciting life we've ever lived. Let us be empowered and baptized in your Holy Ghost so that we can be all that you want us to be for this generation and the next generation and the next generation. We're one generation away from them that did not know you or the power of your word. So God, I want to make sure that I am doing my part and that all of us in this room today, that we're doing our part. And Lord, I just, I I want to stop and pray for moms and dads and grandparents and the parental figures in this room, whether you've got a foster kid or you've adopted or your biological kids or Whatever the living situation is, the guardianship situation, God, I pray for these right now. They need wisdom beyond measure today because they're raising up a generation that has faced things that we've never thought about having to face. And they need wisdom. And your word tells us that if we'll ask for wisdom, then you will give it liberally. And so, Lord, I'm praying for the wisdom of the Holy Ghost, the wisdom of your word to come alive in each of them today so that they can parent their children with wisdom and a peace knowing that you're giving them the right things to do and you're giving them the instruction and then we're just praying and hoping that as we live this thing out that our kids will follow because at some point it's up to our kids to make their own decisions they know right from wrong and so we can't just tell them they're saved we have to lead them to a relationship with you And we can't lead them to a relationship that we ourselves don't have. We can't lead them in a wisdom that we ourselves don't walk in. So this morning, Holy Spirit, give these parents wisdom and let them have comfort and peace knowing that they can lean into you. Your word says, where does my help come from? I lift my eyes to the hills because that's where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of this universe. Fill us, Holy Spirit, with wisdom and direction, knowledge. And let us be the example that you want us to be for this generation and the next. That we'll see revival in these kids. That we'll, God will invest in them. We'll get out of the way. We'll quit letting our opinions and our preferences, we'll we'll stop letting them get in the way of what it takes to reach someone of the next generation. 
God, you've just given us the, the commission of the what. And even the where. You said go into all the world and make disciples. But you didn't tell us how. And so I thank you for a church that's willing to be creative in the how. That's willing to understand the culture and the place that they are planted in. To understand the how. To make disciples who will in turn make disciples. In Jesus' name.